Welcome to Survive and Thrive, where Oklahomans reflect on COVID-19 and racism. Survive and Thrive is a 24-episode podcast series where our team will interview Oklahomans across a diverse spectrum as how to survive and thrive during the twofold crisis of the health and racial pandemics. Oklahomans are no stranger to tragedy. The state's history is checkered with traumas such as the Dust Bowl, Tulsa Race Massacre, Trail of Tears, and the Oklahoma City bombing. Out of those tragedies was born the Oklahoma Standard. Now, as the state once again grapples with hardship, this time with COVID-19 and racial heartache, we will hear from multiple Oklahomans who must once again learn to survive and thrive. We are your hosts, Carolee Langford and Brooklyn Wayland. Today, we are here with Joy Hoffmeister, who is the Oklahoma Superintendent of Public Instruction. Hi, how how are you, Carolee and Brooklyn? We are doing good. How are yes. you? Good, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Yes. Oh, you bet. All right, so if you don't mind, we're just going to go ahead and jump right in. Can you first start off by telling us a little bit about your background? What was your family like? What was your upbringing like? Well, I am fortunate enough to um, have had a family of all girls. There were three sisters and grew up um, here in the Tulsa area uh, and then um, raised my own family here in uh, northeastern Oklahoma as well in Tulsa. And um, now we've moved into a time where I've got four children that are all adults and um, I'm a former teacher as well as a small business owner and have had the privilege of serving in the capacity of State Board of Education member and then um, ran my very first election and uh, won as State Superintendent and then have been reelected to my second term. So it's uh, been wonderful and a great honor to get to serve 700,000 school kids, but also I serve um, with Career Tech and uh, their regents for the regional universities as well. Great. Thank you. So tell me why you are so passionate about what you do now and how it serves Oklahoma. Well, I believe that uh, kids deserve to have a competitive, well-rounded education, one that's going to prepare them for success success in life and um, that life after they graduate high school. So it all begins with uh, a strong family and having uh, the support to be able to work as a team with teachers at school and um, then uh, moving successfully grade by grade. Um, that also is really important in helping students then um, be able to have the kind of preparation they need to hit the ground running and um, is really important for them to be well prepared so that they graduate college on time or they finish their high skill, high industry certification at career tech in uh, rapid fashion. And then they can uh, raise a family of their own, maybe start a business. And all of that makes for stronger communities and overall strong economy in Oklahoma. Um, but it all comes down to education, those opportunities that um, are given uh, to a child, and then how um, families are strengthened uh, through education as well. 
Well, we are kind of obviously in the middle of a health pandemic. How are you coping with that and everything else that's going on in the year 2020? There is so much going on with the pandemic. Um, Really, there was a time where everything came to a halt uh, with our traditional learning in the spring, and it helped really put the focus on we've got to meet kids where they are and in Oklahoma we have a lot of kids that are experiencing food insecurity Um, they lack the mental health supports that they need and when schools closed their doors those needs continued just as much as their academic needs so we have focused our attention on the whole child and schools have prepared and are now delivering education in different ways, whether that's in person or at home, uh, online, or a a blend of the two. Um, So everything is very different this school year, but it is a time where ever present on the minds of teachers is the social emotional needs of kids as well as academic needs and um, trying to build strong relationships, knowing that um, those relationships are key to success academically, uh, as well as um, persevering through a really hard, unprecedented, challenging time with the pandemic. So what exactly do you think moving forward it's going to look like for Oklahoma schools as numbers continue to rise? You know, numbers are continuing to rise. And during the pandemic, we are learning as we go. Uh, Science is still investigating the disease and we are learning more and more the role that mask wearing plays in reducing community transmission. Um, So that's why we talk about let's everybody wear a mask. Um, Everyone be careful during holiday times to not um, succumb to what tradition might pull us all together and um, and then have a additional surge on top and and sadly see even some of our family members that are vulnerable um, with their health in jeopardy due to contracting the virus. So um, this is a time where we do have to lean on science, lean on the evidence, remain flexible, knowing that things will change because we are going to continue to learn more as um, science unfolds before us. Uh, But the great promise of a vaccine is on the horizon, and we know that um, this will be a really important um, time of, of, again, not just wearing masks, but um, also doing our part to uh, take that vaccine and and help stabilize um, our communities and protect others in doing so. Thank you. So not only have you had to learn how to cope and maneuver around the pandemic, but you're kind of also doing doing that for a very large majority of Oklahoma students. And how has that kind of challenged you and your own coping abilities with uh, maneuvering throughout the pandemic? I think the key is close communication um, with groups of of individuals that are leading districts, um, as well as with those experts who are in the State Department of Health, um, our state epidemiologists, um, those physicians who are 
working to support the physical health of pediatric positive cases and um, our frontline workers in hospitals. So as we work with these experts, scientists, medical professionals, public health officials, we are leaning on one another in a way that we have never done uh, in my six years in office with these um, these colleagues. Um, that's a good thing. We're all we're all um, stronger when we are working together, mm-hmm. and we are also able to have not just one-way communication where we simply are a pipeline of information delivering news to schools, but instead are having weekly meetings with Zoom with three, four, five hundred people at a time that are in the field with with students, with athletics, with those um, teachers that are out um, or bus drivers who are quarantined and are giving real world examples of how coronavirus impacts students, their families and their communities. So kind of um, going back to Oklahoma and the tragedies that we have endured being the Trail of Tears, the Tulsa Race Massacre, Dust Bowl, Oklahoma City bombing. How do you think that has shaped the people of Oklahoma? You know, Oklahomans are known for the Oklahoma standard where we pull together to uh, meet our neighbor in need. And we saw that during the Oklahoma City bombing. That phrase was coined because of what was on display for the world to see. Um, our, our history is actually fairly short and brief compared to uh, those states on the East Coast, for example. Uh, but we are um, certainly aware of many lessons that need to be learned from the past, including those that were shameful. And I think about um, the, the, the facts around the Tulsa race massacre, which as a young person growing up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I didn't learn about until I was an adult. And under my administration here as state superintendent, we have changed our standards for what we teach in social studies to include the Tulsa race massacre. And with age-appropriate content, of course, uh, teaching this in uh, the the spectrum of years that students are learning about our Oklahoma history as well as our national and world history. Uh, But we do know that we have a lot of uh, need in closing gaps around equity. Um, There is still racism that occurs in Oklahoma, and there are biases that we have that some are not even aware of, and we're all trying to be more self-reflective so that we can um, shed what needs to be lost and um, pick up and and gird ourselves with what we need to take on to really battle uh, systemic racism, for example, um, and make a real change that is one that lasts and that we can be proud of. Exactly, yes. And you mentioned honesty and the Tulsa race massacre. So 
how what can the Oklahoma education system do to ensure that students are being informed about events such as these, such as the Tulsa Race Massacre, when the state has blatantly failed to do this in the past? Those are called academic standards, and those are divided by grade levels and by content area in the academic standards for social studies. Um, among those that are difficult for us to face are those that involve, um, as you described, the Trail of Tears and, and how that has impacted our Native American uh, population as well. Oklahoma has over 130,000 Native American students in a a total student population of 700,000 uh, K through 12. So we are a, a state that should and now are teaching the sovereignty of our tribal nations. And that is not something that was done in the past. And we have incorporated that in a much more stronger, robust way in um, our um, social studies standards as well. So there are changes um, that have been made. Um, there are uh, the way we can hasten uh, a more balanced and better approach is by including those survivors um, and those who represent these communities and historians from within the um, communities that have been underserved or who have been part of, for example, the Tulsa Race Riot um, and descendants or um, uh, representatives from our tribal nations. And that's what we have done to then consult, confer, and work to all be in agreement and find consensus around these academic standards that we are so very proud of and that just passed um, in uh, the last couple of years. So I know that there is curriculum being created for these kinds of events and things like that, but will those be required? Will those be required of schools to teach? Yes. Okay. And when will That's that be? Right. When will that go into effect? It's in effect right now, and that is um, also, as you described, being supported through additional curriculum support um, that is being provided to schools as well, both with Native American education as well as um, with our teaching of the Tulsa Race Massacre. So that, that went into effect um, at the beginning of the school year. So how do you think that Oklahoma can grow from being honest about this history um, and teaching our youth about um, a past that has been checkered um, with good and bad? You know, I would say every, every state has uh, their history that is a, um, an area that has to be faced and dealt with. And Oklahoma is no different. And we are doing that. We are beginning that process of embracing the good and that which we are ashamed of. And we'll come through that with a better understanding of one another, the hurt uh, that has been experienced by others within our state in history. And um, that continues on in some cases. That is how we begin to make real, meaningful, lasting change. But it comes um, with the introduction of those teachings that are very important to be able to grow and, and get stronger. 
All right. So you did mention the Oklahoma standard. Um, how have you seen Oklahomans push through and enact that standard to come back stronger, especially when we're referring to the pandemic today? You know, I, th- I think that it is um, within the nature of Oklahomans to want to be independent. And we're a resilient group of people who sure. aren't afraid of hard work and aren't afraid of much. Um, and we've seen many leaders and many in our communities listen and learn and want to do their part. And that's why we are seeing uh, some of our cities passing mask requirements, um, blanketing that level of safeguard for those who live in that community. Um, We want to see more of that. I want to see more of that. I want to see everyone protected in our state. And we know that um, the evidence is very strong that those who are wearing masks, as well as um, when masks are worn collectively, it does Uh, slow the spread of the virus, and it is something that we need now more than ever. So how can Oklahomans, along with the rest of the nation, kind of look forward to change their path rather than just going back to normal, however that may look? It's a great question. Uh, I think we're going to be changed uh, for a very long time because of COVID. When I think about education, Uh, I do think that we will see changes in the way we deliver education. There are many things that uh, we know are critically important to fostering relationships between the, the student and the teacher, and that can be accomplished very quickly when they are together face to face. Uh, It is much harder to do this in a remote setting or virtually. And uh, yet, I do think that there have been uh, real benefits to the idea of letting students move at their own pace, um, helping students uh, be able to have more individualized um, approaches to their lessons and lesson planning. Um, I hope that we don't lose that and that we we do that in a way in the future that is more efficient, is um, is something that becomes common, and that those who are able to move faster have the opportunity to run ahead. And for those who, even in just one subject, need to hang back and um, work on something a little longer to master it will be given that opportunity. I think that is how we really close gaps and don't simply um, take more of a let's teach to the middle and hope to bring as many kids across the end of your finish line. Um, and instead, um, we we are able to recognize that, my goodness, there's going to be some of our students that are, are and, and I think a large number of students that really will have gaps in learning because of the disruption that COVID has has meant for um, education, whether that's a time away from in-person because they're quarantined or because they're ill um, or the disruption that comes because of a different 
delivery of education uh, being virtual instead of in person, um, there are a lot of changes that they've all endured. And that's going to take a toll, both socially and emotionally, um, even physically, uh, and then certainly academically. So we, we need to be patient, but we also need to be ready to invest right where our kids need it. And anyone who's out there saying um, that education doesn't need additional support doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, Our schools and students have needs that are more um, significant than they have had in the past because of COVID. And we have got to be ready to Im- immediately invest and prioritize our our students in a way that we've not been called to do in a long time. Absolutely. Thank you. So to put it very bluntly, 2020 really hasn't been all that we thought it would be. It hasn't really talked up to anyone's idea of what we thought 2020 would turn out to be. But how can we find the light in these dark times? Well, we find that within each other. And it is back to the relationships. It's um, leaning on one another, going through really different difficult circumstances um, that I think meld together a community into something that is stronger when we come through this. Um, We will never forget this time and everyone will point back to their life and what they experienced um, with some, some tragedy, um, people they know that they've lost and, and the, the changes in the ordinary way of doing things in life. Um, but I do, I do believe that it will be the strengthening of the, the need for one another, the need for community, um, the, um, the light being shown on even tattered safety nets that need to be attended to to provide the kind of support that our most vulnerable need. And um, we'll come through this and we'll come through this learning a lot. We will come through it changed, but I believe we will come through it stronger. So how do Oklahomans kind of apply what we've been talking about, this Oklahoma standard that has been created and shown through tragedies all across the state's history. How do we use that today to to come out better than before? Well, I think that that Oklahoma standard is all about others, those around us. So Oklahomans shine when they turn their attention on their neighbors and those especially vulnerable within their communities. Um, that's how we do it. And a simple expression is... Um, simply wearing a mask, not um, trying to say that we have to um, do things the way we've always done them, but to recognize that this is temporary. And, you know, the Oklahoma standard is something that shines brightly in the time of greatest need. And this is a time of great need, but it is temporary. It is not going to be something we will endure for many, many years or a lifetime. Um, so we can get through this and we, 
we just need to be patient and we need to keep our focus and our attention and our resources on those around us who need us more than we need to express our own um, self or think of the traditions that we don't get to experience perhaps the way we have in the past with holidays. Um, This is temporary and it is worth it to come out on the other side uh, with our families intact and with our uh, health. And um, again, um, we, we can lean on one another when someone feels, um, they just need a break and, um, and we can be patient and we, we can, we can pray for them. Um, we, there's a lot we can do that, that is actually pretty simple that, that has a profound impact. And, um, I know Oklahomans will rise to that, that need. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. So you've pretty much answered all the questions that we've had, but is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners or anything we should have asked that we didn't? No, I just, uh, I think there, we have a lot to be thankful for and, um, and we will get, we will get through this. This is a short period of time, I believe before, the promise of a vaccine. And um, there's a lot of people in the medical community that uh, this year will be on my mind um, as they are on the front line, uh, making our communities um, safer and treating those we love. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again for taking time to speak with us. I think we've got some good content. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you, Brooklyn, and, and also Kiralee. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Stay safe. All right. You too. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Survive and Thrive. We will return after the holidays to bring you more in-depth conversations with notable Oklahomans on how to survive and thrive during the twofold crisis of the health and racial pandemics. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcast by searching Survive in OKLA. We are your hosts, Carolee and Brooklyn. Join us every Wednesday for new episodes. Also participating in this podcast project are Kimberly Burke, our manager, Jesse Smith, researcher and writer, Ji Swan Fan, the social media coordinator, and Miranda Vondale, our audio engineer. This podcast is presented by Gaylord News in collaboration with the Institute for the Study of Human Flourishing. <laughs>